The man who wrote that song was George Beverly Shea. Had a great baritone voice, had opportunities galore to use it outside the Lord's work. But where was he used? He was used in the Billy Graham Crusades. George Beverly Shea and often sang that song. You see on the screen, one of the heroes of faith for me is a man named David Martin Lloyd-Jones. You'll often see him referred to in some area of the Christian life. What you may not know and you may not have ever heard of him, but he was a medical doctor uh, in London. He was a member of the Royal College of Physicians and assistant to the royal physician. He was being groomed as physician to the queen. But two years into that journey, he was overwhelmed by a sense of the call to preach. He gave up medicine and the prestige that it offered, and he answered God's call. It was 1927 when he answered God's call to preach. He never looked back. He became assistant to G. Campbell Morgan at Westminster Chapel, and in 1943, during World War II, became the sole pastor of Westminster Chapel in London. Over the past decade, I've poured my life uh, into understanding his mind and heart. Uh, one of the reasons I like G. Campbell, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones and, and most people refer to him as Martin Lloyd-Jones, not David Martin Lloyd-Jones. But one of the reasons I like him is he dissects scripture with the skill of no one else that I've ever heard. I first uh, encountered him. He first impacted my life way back in 1978. I was sitting in the seminary library preparing a sermon on the Beatitudes, all of them at one time uh, as a young man uh, preparing to, to preach. I was going to preach a trial sermon at Bonner Creek Baptist Church, Brother John Henry. So I had my, I had my, got my books out there in the, in the library and the, I pulled this book off the ship. Didn't had no idea who it was, uh, it, but it was written by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It was called Studies in the Sermon on the Mount. Never saw that book again until I came to Agricola Baptist Church and a lady that I've told you about before, Miss Wanda Vincent, had used the book the year before as a guide for teaching her Sunday school class, and she presented me with this book, not knowing that I had used it uh, in seminary and, and was fond of it, Studies in the Sermon on the Mount. It sits in my office. Since that time, I've listened to hundreds, hundreds of Martin Lloyd-Jones sermons, and uh, he has certainly impacted my life and as I continue to listen to him I feel like I grow uh, because he is a, 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 a person who is astute in the scriptures. Uh, the reason I begin with Lloyd-Jones is that some people believe that when they choose a career path for their life that any adjustment to any purpose that God might have for them is impossible. I use Lloyd-Jones as the supreme example of a man who seems to have stepped down from a high calling 
to a lesser call. That's the way we look at it, is it not? Especially in our day when the church has a lowly place in our culture. I know that Brother Walter Mixon has, when he's been here, our director of missions has shared with you before the lack of people that are surrendering to the ministry right now. Do you know that we still don't have one single resume for minister to children? Although we've contacted the seminary and two Baptist colleges, we still don't have one single resume. And it's not simply because no one wants to come to First Baptist Loosedale. It's because there's such a short supply of people who are answering God's call. That is the title of my message tonight. And those of you who are familiar with the study Experiencing God will notice that this is the image of Moses off that study. Uh, now, one of the questions that I want to ask and help you answer tonight is this. Is answering the call of God a sacrifice? Was it a sacrifice for Martin Lloyd-Jones to give up being the queen's physician, the opportunity to be the phys physician to the queen, Queen Elizabeth, was it a sacrifice for him to give that up to answer the call of God? I think he would have answered that question, and I think he did on occasions when he was asked. I heard him in an interview ask that question. Did he ever regret entering the ministry? And no, he, he never looked back from 1927. He never looked back. He was fulfilling the mission and the purpose that God had for his life. So is answering the call of God a sacrifice. Well, we're going to consider that by looking at the life of several different people, and we'll just glance at their lives quickly. And the first one we want to look at, we want to consider God's purpose for Moses. God's purpose for Moses. This week in my daily Bible reading, I've been reading in the book of Exodus, uh, and uh, Moses, as you know, had two distinctly different careers before meeting God at the burning bush. He grew up uh, in the house of Pharaoh. He was being sculpted to be Pharaoh's successor, no doubt, as his son, the son of Pharaoh's uh, daughter, as he was raised. Uh, the Bible says he was educated in all the learning of Egypt. And so here was a man who was being prepared on the one hand for an extremely successful career, and yet at 40 years old, he feels this tug in him to answer some call from God to, to help his people. He goes out and does it physically with his own hands, kills an Egyptian, buries him in the sand. It becomes known, and he has to flee from Egypt, and he's gone for the next 40 years so the first 40 years of his life, his career was being sculpted as the successor to Pharaoh, possibly. The next 40 years of his life, he's a lowly shepherd in the wilderness. Shepherds, we learn in the book of Exodus later, are despised by Egyptians. So he goes to different places in his life. And then at 80 years old, on the backside of the wilderness, he meets God, or God meets him, at this bush that was burning but wasn't consumed and God's calling him to lead his people out of Egypt. So I'm, I'm asking you tonight to consider and I'm asking you young people in particular to think, 
to ponder God's purpose for your life? Does God have such a claim on your life that he could have access to you at any time to go anywhere and do anything? Now, although the fire of God did not set ablaze the bush from which God spoke, it set ablaze the heart of Moses uh, with a passion for God, but not without a struggle. It's one thing to stand in God's presence and hear God's voice, but as frightening as that was, it was even more frightening for Moses to consider the mission and the purpose that God had for his life. The well-placed plans you have for your life will have to change for you to join God. It may be possible. Not everybody. You may be traveling your life purpose right now, doing exactly uh, what God called you to do, traveling the path, traveling the road that God has for you to follow. But for some people, their only concept of being a Christian is that one day they'll die and go to heaven. But that's just a very small part of what God has called you to do. God calls you to have a relationship to Him. Miss that, and you've missed the purpose God had for your life from before the foundation of the world. So we're going to consider the verses aren't going to be on the screen, so you'll need to look them up in your Bible. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. The Lord said to Moses, He said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a good land, a spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Here's a question for you. Does God have more for you than the comfortable wilderness to which you've become accustomed? Is the life that you have so carefully planned from here to its end available? Is your life available for God to use? Let me tell you a story about how God called me to preach. I was 17 years old. Every night before I went to bed, I had to read my Bible and pray or I couldn't go to sleep. That was just my daily routine. I had I didn't know what, it was a quiet time. I didn't know what a quiet time was at that time. But every night before I went to bed, I read my Bible and I prayed. And uh, it had been reinforced in the church where I was growing up that God had a purpose for your life. And that you needed to pray and ask God to show you his purpose. And I had been doing that for some time. I was a senior in high school at this time. I had my own plans and, and my own dreams. Uh, but when God called me to preach, I was not at, at a Bible conference listening to some flaming, flaming evangelist. I had no relationship. We didn't even have a youth director when I was growing up. So I had no relationship with a youth director who, who made it seem that youth ministry was fun. Uh, I wasn't interested in ministry. 
Being a preacher was not on my list of life ambitions, but when, when God spoke, I heard him, I knew what he wanted me to do, and from that day forward, I began adjusting my life and my plans to follow God. This spring, that'll be 49 years ago. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached his last sermon in 1980 after 53, 53 years after adjusting his life to God. He never regretted leaving medicine. God's call for him was not a sacrifice. It was a great privilege to serve God greater even than being the queen's own physician. Does God have a purpose for you? I would say that there is no purpose no person that God created without a purpose. So the question needs to be, have you discovered God's purpose for your life? If not, why not? If not now, when? I've asked you that question before, but it's something you need to consider. Second, we want to consider God's purpose for Jeremiah. You remember what we said this morning about God and, and, and the moment of his knowing things well look at what he says about jeremiah in jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 jeremiah says the word of the lord came to me saying before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i consecrated you i appointed you a prophet to the nations that is before he was born. That's fit, that fits right into what we were saying this morning. Could it, also, could it also be true of you? Could God have a plan and a purpose for your life, a purpose that he designed from before you were born? You have a mission. You have a purpose. Jeremiah was reluctant to respond for Reasons like Moses was reluctant to respond. But on Jeremiah's end, he said, God, I can't do it. I'm just a youth. I can't do what you want me to do. And God said to Jeremiah, he said, look, don't say I'm just a youth. Everywhere I send you, you will go. And everything I command you, you will speak. Uh, and so Jeremiah found that he couldn't escape God's purpose. And I would suggest that neither can you. God's purpose will always follow you. It will always nag at your heart until you yield to it. I, I raise these issues with you tonight not to talk about Moses' purpose or Jeremiah's purpose or the purpose of Martin Lloyd-Jones or my purpose, but to talk to you about God's purpose for your life. Not only so, we see, number three, God's purpose for two other men in the Bible, Amos and Elisha. I really... I like Amos's explanation of how God called him. Somebody asked me, will ask me from time to time, was your daddy a preacher? I say, no, nobody in my family was a preacher. I had some bootleggers in the family, but no preacher. And so Amos said, I was not a prophet or a prophet's son, but what I was was I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit when God took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. 
He was an ordinary guy doing ordinary things with no ambition to be a prophet. When God called him, that became the purpose that God had for his life. Uh, Elisha, on the other hand, uh, had that moment when he was walking with Elijah. He had this, this you know, actually, uh, Elijah just came and threw his mantle on Elisha. And uh, so... Uh, Elisha, from that moment, began following Elijah. He said, look, can I go home first and say goodbye to my parents? He did. He went home, said goodbye to his parents. When Elijah found him, he was plowing with some oxen. And so what did Elisha do? He sacrificed the oxen, and he took the wooden implements that he was plowing with, and he built a fire for the sacrifice, and he, he, he left it all. He sacrificed it all to follow God's call for his life. That, was, that happened to him, uh, and so he was fulfilling the mission that God had for his life. But perhaps the most interesting character of all is Paul. Let's look at God's purpose for Paul. I want you to see this. In the New Testament, no greater adjustment was ever made by a single individual than that which was made by uh, Paul he was Saul of Tarsus, as you know. He saw that bright light from heaven when he was on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus. His mission was to persecute Christians, and he, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it was a moment that changed Christian history and marked a major advancement in God's kingdom. Saul's life purpose shifted, and he counted all that came before as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. I'm going to read you some verses from Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Paul said, and he's relating his call, he said, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral Traditions, verse 15, but when God, listen very carefully, but when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately consult with flesh and blood. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, stayed with him 15 days, but I didn't see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight, to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. Here's a man who made a major life adjustment. God saved him. God changed him. He adjusted his life to fulfill God's purpose. Here's the question. Do moments like that still come in the lives of men and women. 
Now, certainly we think of Jeremiah. Well, he's a guy, he's a kid, you know. He's a kid. God can work with a kid like that. He can, he can call a kid and he can prepare himself to do what God wants him to do. It works with kids like Jeremiah and Samuel, but with older folks like us, it doesn't work so well. Well, it worked with Amos, apparently, uh, and it worked with Elisha. I don't know. He was a young man, but he still had a job. He had a, a career. Certainly, uh, there was Moses, uh, and, and look at Paul here, and think about Think about Peter and James and John who had a career. They were fishermen and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. So moments like that do come when people need to adjust their life. So we've talked about God's purpose for, for Moses. We talked about God's purpose for Jeremiah. We talked about God's purpose briefly for Amos and Elisha. We talked about God's purpose for Paul. But what we need to talk about is God's purpose for you. God's purpose for you. So I want to ask you, is there still a God in heaven who is calling people into his service for the purpose for which he created them? And could you be one of those people. Now, I would never suggest to anybody that you volunteer and say, well, I will be a missionary. I will be a preacher. Uh, I don't think you volunteer for those jobs. In the Bible, you're chosen, and you'll not know that until the moment that you, you are chosen. You, well, you, you won't know at the moment you're chosen because that happened in Jeremiah's life before you're born, but there will be a moment in time when God will let you know what he wants you to do, let me tell you how it happened to me. I had plans to, at 17 to attend Mississippi State University. In the fall, or in, the, in the winter of that year, getting ready to graduate from high school, I was filling out the papers, sending that stuff to Mississippi State. I was going into the industrial engineering department. I had people contact me and say, uh, I can get you a scholarship to go to the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee to go into forestry. They were all, I had good grades. My ACT score was high. I'm smarter than I look now. I looked pretty smart then maybe. Uh, but, you know, I was doing good in school, and, and, and I could have done whatever I wanted to do. But one night laying by my bed, laying on my bed, I'm reading my Bible, I'm reading from Luke chapter 4, not because of any purpose. That's just where I was, and I was just reading from Luke chapter 4. I got to verse 18, and I read where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And when I read the word preach, I heard the word preach. I didn't hear it with my ears. But I heard a voice in my heart and in my mind that I will never forget saying one word with a deep, deep voice that said, preach. Maybe like Brother John Merck would have said it. Preach! It got my attention. Laying there on the side of my bed, I was startled. I had problems telling people about it. First person I told was, young girl I was dating and I thought well I better tell her it took me a little while to tell her because I thought she certainly won't want to date a preacher and I said well if I'm going to 
follow God. I got to do what the people do in the Bible. You got to let go of what is important to you. So I started with her. And of course, the Lord worked that out, as you can see. I didn't lose her. Then I had to tell my parents. And that was probably the most difficult thing that I, that I had to do because my, especially my dad was not too excited about me uh, being a preacher. It was difficult. My dad, when he died, was proud of me that I had answered God's call, and he knew that both my parents now know that it was the right. But a 17-year-old boy coming and telling his parents that God had called him to preach, they weren't too sure that I had sense to know what I was doing. There were two things that happened right together. That, the Lord calling me, and then I got a piece of information from William Carey College, a little pamphlet. I didn't even know William Carey College existed. But I opened that pamphlet up and I saw where you could go to school there to prepare for ministry. That was a divine appointment for me. Never looked anywhere else, never contacted anywhere else, never thought about going anywhere else. Changed all my plans. My whole life purpose shifted and I began to move in that direction. And I haven't ever regretted that I've done what God called me to do. I feel like I am still fulfilling God's purpose, that this is God's assignment for me and will be God's assignment for me. But you see, what happens when there are no preachers? What happens when there are no missionaries? What happens when there are no youth ministers? What happens when there are no music directors? What happens when there are no children's ministers and churches can't find anybody to do the job? Whose fault is that? Is it because God's not stirring anybody's heart to be uh, what God wants them to be or to do what God wants them to do? Or is it because sometimes God speaks to people about surrendering and adjusting their lives? Maybe they have a burning bush moment and they walk away from it and say, as Moses wanted to say so badly, God, just get somebody else. I would pray that if that moment comes in your life, that you would find it to be an irresistible moment. You might also say, well, right now, Brother Eddie, I feel like I'm too young, but I feel like God's calling me. I felt too young, too. I know another fellow who would tell you that God called him when he was 14 years old and he never told a soul. Never told a soul. Went off to Mississippi State University, got a degree in business, came home to run the family hardware store down in Agricola, Vincent's Hardware. But as the years went by, the Lord never let him forget that he had spoken to his heart and that he had a purpose for his life. He surrendered the hardware store and went into ministry and is in ministry today. Some of you know him. That's Mark Benson. God still calls people to adjust their lives to follow him. Let's pray.